regularly scheduled program for this special report. Blood for drama, drama, blood for drama, drama, blood for drama, drama. Good morning and thank you for joining us. The date is January 16th, 2023, and today we're going to talk about war. What, what is, is it, it good for? for? Absolutely nothing. Wow! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so I think the um We're stupid. The primary like the issue with war, uh the root of, of all evil, is conflict necessary. War is the the result of a breakdown of communication, right? You go into talks, say, Hey, here's my envoy, messenger, diplomat. These are the terms of terms and conditions of how we're gonna get along, right? Jason Even the king's messenger is responsible for the words of his voice. And then he gets kicked down a well. Yeah, because he didn't listen. <laughs> hey, all right. So that's the result. Primary thing is just communication between people. And I think that war explicitly benefits. Like you can obviously it's war profiteering, but in any situation where there's a third party involved, it's an issue. Because right now we can have a discussion. Right, we are relaying information from point A to point B. If we can't get along and it gets so severe that it comes to blows, only one of us is standing to gain from them. But when there is a third party, they can alter the odds, they can hedge their bets, they can you know plan for either outcome. They're forcefully like inserting themselves in the situation and benefiting from it at some point. And so it's it's one of those things where we are all better if no one benefits. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If we were able to do away with war and just have an international court. Talk about your one world order conspiracies later, but I'm not talking about all the other nuances of like your rights and freedom of speech and everything else. It's just there is a disagreement. We're mature enough to be able to solve that, at least in theory, you know, like it feels good to get angry. Like it feels good to give in when you're having a domestic dispute with your, you know, significant other and like say some hurtful shit. No, I don't like to, but you don't like to, but there there's doesn't have to be your SO, but with someone else. It feels good to you know, get low, get on their level and like express it's, yourself it's in a easy. way. It's easier. I don't like to cuz I freak out start raging and breaking shit and I don't like the way that feels or what happens afterwards. Yeah, yeah, the afterwards is is a thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't like to yell at all. I like to talk how we talk. Yeah, that's you know how it should be. Yeah, I think so. Um more of a debate and and what's right is right, you know, but everyone thinks they're right. It's weird how you have a, a scalar facet is your ego. So mm -hmm. right now, we can have our debates and our egos can get in the way, but you can apply that to a country, to a people. Well, the people aren't the problem, usually. It's the ones that run it, you know. Their egos are the ones that we got to worry about, in my opinion. In today's day and age, yeah. But historically, like, you have the pride of Mother Russia, right? And, you know, the sleeping dragon china uh, a lot of russians 
so far from my personal experiences and other um, interviews, podcasts, and uh, just historically, like you identify with, that's how you get a fighting force. It's your national pride, right? Yeah, America. I think America has that, you know, America and all that shit. Never, at least they think they do. Um, it's real easy to put people against each other, especially in power. Yes, yeah, so, right? so it makes me think of like 1984, the book or mm-hmm. the movie. You know, they had the, uh, I forget what they were, but like the other ones were like the Eurasians. And they all had this propaganda about how they, all the Eurasians are terrible people and they need to be annihilated. And they all believed it because that's all they saw. They don't see the other side. Truth is important. You know, um, I think war originally, like from the beginning, you know, Stone Age. I think it was more resource-driven. That small groups, hunter-gatherer types, like 20 people, you know. And for the most part, they if they had some kind of territorial conflict over where they were, they just moved somewhere else because it wasn't organized, you know. I don't think there was a big leader to be like, no, this is our spot, you know. So like, I don't know, fuck it, we'll just go over here then. There's shit over here too, you know, we figure it out. Um, but there's still that human element, you know. So once people started to organize and come into bigger groups, I think war became more necessary then. I don't think it's necessarily necessary now, but then I think it was. It def- like the, um, I'm going to say like a thousand times this episode, uh, so, from Cain and Abel, right? The yep. first act of violence, blinded by anger and lust for Aquila. That's know, if you believe that. Cain got right. revenge on Abel um, and killed him. So, the resource was uh, Aquila, like this woman, right? Yeah, that was as that's much a of, lot of war driven as women. Yeah. Uh, Helen of Troy, you know. There's a lot. So many. And, yeah. yeah you're right. Go ahead. Yeah, so that was a, a resource. Right in their eyes, that they contested over. Although mm-hmm. by this time, you know, before if you had cavemen and such that had really limited speech, we right. have a million words to convey communication to solve problems. And at the end of the day, when that breaks down and you can't find those magic words that bridges the gap, you resort to violence. You know, fisticuffs in yeah. whatever form that is, whether it was stoning your brother mm-hmm. picking up a club going to war you know that laddles to bows to muskets to guided rockets now yeah i think uh in the beginning you know after the part that i already mentioned um women were like one of the things you know because the fucking assholes in power hoarded all the women for themselves and then the rest of the men had to just be whatever. So then they would have these wars and they would take women exclusively. Like like Conan. What's Conan's quote? Conan, what is best in life? <laughs> to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. Yeah. So, you know, there's more of a, like a warrior culture um, back then. War was important to build civilization. Uh, you got to know, to be civilized, you got to know that there's that. 
in the back. You know, it's I think. Not, there's like a weird dichotomy. So kind of to jump in here and um, interject, it's men in power, right? Mm-hmm. Men specifically in power, <clears throat> right? Cain and Abel fighting between man. Women and children and, you know, the lame and elderly are the greatest victims of that. Right, the men go to war, understanding you're either meeting each other on the battlefield. Everyone else, they don't have any fucking thing to do with that. No, nope. they're just casualties. And on a, a smaller level, right, when you go back to tribal, you can only reproduce so much. So having more women means that you have more children, creating more men for your tribe or yep. you know nation to propagate. So it, it like it makes sense mm-hmm. breaking it down as just a raw resource and a game of numbers. Instead, it's uh, war is necessary for building civilization historically. Also, probably true. The more organized, the more well-equipped, the more intelligent and informed the fighting force, they won, right? Mm-hmm. History is, is written by the victors. So right, right. Um, it's weird you think of, like, the barbarians at the gates, right? The raging Mongol hordes, uh, you know, at the fringes of civilization. There's so many times where you um, apply this uh, nomenclature to the other warring enemy force, right? The barbaric Celts and stuff like mm-hmm. that, the Gauls. You know, you had Rome, this center for civilization and higher thought. And anyone else was just a lesser, you know, animalistic, just a, a force of nature, really. Like they just mm-hmm. dehumanized them to such a huge extent. Um, but mm-hmm. that's where we have so much history was, you know, like Rome. It makes me think of like Gladiator, you know, the movie when they're going to a uh, verse battle with big dude with the fucking hammer, and the guy's like, uh, "When should people should know they're conquered?" You know, and he's like, the general dude's like, uh, "Would I? Would you? No, <laughs> you would." It's human instinct, I think, to fight against at least for defense purposes i think defense is important definitely um you know i think that that's where it all started like people like to say like agriculture started civilization pretty sure war started it and then they started building walls and gathering people and and resources inside these forts and these walls and you talked about the mongols uh that wall's still there, you know. The Great Wall of China's still there. Walls work. Yeah, so at the the genesis, like you said, when we were hunter gatherers, you could just move. World yeah, was big enough. You just move. Population was small enough. Right. As soon as agriculture develops, you put down those walls. Yeah, now you're you stuck. Can't go anywhere. Can't yeah, go anywhere everyone's you... got your address. And then company. you have to defend it. Yeah, and I think that's where like the war machine started, and it was necessary then. You know, the war machine to protect your crop because I think plunder was where it originally started. You know, there's plunderers, Vikings are plunderers. And even before them, you know, Hey man, that dude's got all the stuff. We don't have anything. Let's go get some shit. You know? Okay. Now you have, have to fight to keep it. And then you lose too many people or you lose altogether. They take all your women and all your crops you're just stuck over there. So, okay, well, how can we figure this out? Let's build some fucking walls. Now it's harder for them to take it, but you can't just move now. So, 
I think that was the start of being, quotation, civilized. Well, it makes sense, and that's something that's been really hard, is to pacify a conquered people. All right, so you're opening yourself up. You're If you have a thousand square miles, and they have a thousand square miles, you move all the people over there, you plunder, you come back, you're still happy with your neighbors. All right, if you go over there, now you have twice as much land, you have to split your fighting force in order to defend it, and then you're defending against the conquered people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when you say plunder, like the Vikings and you know pirates and, and such like that, the Mongol hordes, made a lot more sense just to take what you need and go back home. Yep. And take everything with you, except for the men, because you killed them all. Yeah, as much as you can carry. You know, take the women and the, men and the, the kids and the food and kill all the men. Did you ever hear the story of um, Hiro Onada, a, a Japanese intelligence officer? Sounds he, extremely familiar to me. Yeah, yeah. There's a uh, many articles on him. He fought for like 29 years after the war had ended in World War II. And he was just hiding in the jungles, just absolutely radicalized, hmm. right? And being an intelligence officer, he had like a high level of you know paranoia for misinformation. Yeah. So he spent half of his life or more you know always on hmm so like he didn't know the war was over right even after being told several times he was just in disbelief and that's in the modern so he just age. like hung out in the jungle in a bunker somewhere like fucking waiting for people yeah <laughs> and they never came for 20 years well i'm sure he had attacked several people uh oh, during that time people too kind of like yeah. sentinel island yeah but you ask, you know, when does people know they're conquered? No, yeah, they don't. I told them. <laughs> I, uh, I've heard a bunch of arguments about, like, fighting and violence being, like, entwined into people. You know, like, natural chemical thing. I don't think that that's necessarily true. Because, I mean, you have hundreds of interactions a day, you know, especially, like, in our business. Hundreds of people that are all pissed off. So these people are all mad and shit, and you have to maintain. You can't just war with everyone, you know? I also think that mob mentality is a thing. Very, very real, and there's dozens of uh, studies from multiple sources, universities, that like it's fact. Yeah. Not opinion. You just kind of like, I don't. I've been around mob things, and I'm like, I'm not doing that shit. Unless you're moshing. <clears throat> yeah, but that's different. You know, I mean, it is, it is, but it isn't. That's like a thing that you're not warring with people. Like, you literally, like, knock people down, yeah? But there's, like, a mutual respect. You knock somebody down, you pick them up. If you don't, they beat your ass. Right, so you have like etiquette. You know, war is not etiquized or whatever you call it. It's not. There's no etiquette. You don't like shoot the person and be like, "Oh man, are you okay?" No, you don't do that shit. You know. But you don't. Have you ever read All Quiet on the Western Front? <laughs> no. There's I've heard a, of it. Uh, it's a good book. I believe it's about World War One. There's a really good scene where a uh, American officer 
is in no man's land. You know, that like stretch of like a mile or two where it's being shelled by artillery nonstop. Everyone's fighting in the trenches, getting mustard gas. Well, they have an offensive. He advances. Everything's all smoky. You know, it's early in the morning uh, with all the artillery gun gunshots going off. Like the fog is heavy. Fog he slips into a, uh, a crater and a German officer runs in there and he immediately like, they look at each other, he has an understanding, and he just starts stabbing him. And then it describes like the blood running over his hands, like it's the, all warm and this, you know, cold. The German guy or the other guy? The American stabs a German. Okay. And then he immediately gets the regret, you know, like he's like, he's feeling him shudder and get cold, and then he tries to apply first aid to him. And so mm. it was one of the really humanizing books that looks at the adverse side of war you know it's murder it's in mass yeah. but when you break it down one oh, on yeah. one like that yeah. yeah you don't i mean bullets they, you know they're just flying a knife is personal you know so that's deep that's heavy man stabbing the motherfuckers is probably pretty hard i i would imagine so and I, <clears throat> whenever i think about because I walk around with stabbing knife. people. Yeah, <laughs> whenever you think about stabbing people, Dave, <laughs> holy shit, man! Yo, Have you a, ever uh, thought about stabbing me? You no. <laughs> All right, plenty cool. of others, but um, you know, there's that that escalation of force, and you know, I I carry my knife at least with me just about everywhere, and if I'm ever in an altercation, like I constantly fantasize in the opposite direction. You know, I have like I I would have to be really fearing for my life in a physical altercation to try to pull that out. Well, yeah, because there's um, you know, rules, and if you stab people, then you should probably go to prison. At least if you're not defending yourself, if you're attacking people, then you're going to fucking jail. So you've seen uh, the 2004 movie Troy, right? Yeah. So let's try great, to tie this in together. Great movie. Right, mosh pit, you're sparring, <clears throat> basically is what it is, right? You're you're communally afflicting violence on each other and uh, inflicting, sorry. But it's in like the spirit of funk. So what if we go back to champions? The control you have uh, Achilles as the champion, mm -hmm. you know, to go fight the opposing army. The big giant dude that he stabs one time. Correct. Yeah. But that's like war, though. Yeah, but that's a, a precise... It's like a distillation of your ideas. Right? You don't have a lot of people dying. You've just got one or two. What are you saying? Is that how we should do it? I think that they probably... If they ever actually instituted that historically, kind of Game of Thrones style, that they probably should have kept that. Would have saved a lot of lives. Hmm. Well, I mean, I always talk about, like, if I was the president, you know, and we had a conflict with, like, Russia or whoever, you know, I'd be like, no, there's no need to have big wars. Like, we sign an agreement, take six months to train, meet in the octagon somewhere, figure it out. Me and you. President to president, president to czar or king or whatever the fuck you're called and if you win you win if you don't i win and it's over i think we'd all be warlords as the title but yeah you know like 
That's how I would handle it one on one. You know. I don't think that's the proper basis for a government. Well, me neither, because it's never going to work like that. Because they don't want to get into fights with the people in real time. You know, they don't want to do anything. They just want to be like, send all these people to die. Like uh, we talked about Rome. You know, you think the Caesar was out there checking shit out and being in the fight? No. He was hanging out on the hill watching everybody die. People in power don't want to, at least now, be involved in anything. That's why they have, like, fucking bunkers. And if there's, like, an attack, they're, like, on Air Force One flying around. Or, you know, Putin's got his big fucking pimp bunker that's, like, 20 miles long that he goes and hangs out in while Ukraine war is happening. So, I spent eight years in the Navy, um, many of those years working under, like, anti-terrorism as a gunner's mate, and uh, you start to see militaries as, like, an organism, and so many of them are really sick. Mm. You know, they are obese, they're slow, they're stupid. <laughs> And like, yeah, if if you wind up getting over there, uh, you can throw bodies. We have like I came in originally for the SEAL program, which I dropped out of um, like a week before Hell Week, and it's hard. Those are hard motherfuckers. But the reason I went into that program versus anything else, like I used to romanticize as a kid. Almost everyone romanticizes violence from a young age. Like I remember playing Zelda and uh, stuff like that. At the foundation, if you are inflicting violence upon other people, other creatures, in order to like reach a goal, solve yeah. a problem with violence. Just like most video games, comic books. Right. You have Call of Duty now, where you're role-playing these spec ops individuals in order to you know, take out this bad guy. But in my mindset, I wanted to take out the mastermind. Like, the guy who's deferring all of this violence to people who are exploitable. Mm. Like, I don't want to patrol the streets, wind up getting in a firefight with someone who's only there because his family's being held hostage. Right. Or he's been hyper-radicalized by the church that he's been in for his entire life, and he thinks he's doing the right thing. He's bleeding out in the sand, <clears throat> thinking that he's going to heaven because he just shot an American. Right. That that bothers me. Like that's the the miscommunication, right? And the people above them in uh, yeah. the higher tiers of, of whatever form of leadership this is, whether it's tribal or religious or government, whatever it is, whoever got that band to fight, they should be the ones that are getting punished. They should be getting black bagged at two uh -huh. in the morning. Yeah, fucking SEAL Team Six style, rolling up on a bitch. Like, you know, I mean, I always go to Hitler because he's like the worst person on the planet, <laughs> but he was smart, <clears throat> very smart. He, yeah, he was informed and he had, and he was uh, using all kinds of tactics to make people, but he literally like would play this decibel sound, just like a, but you couldn't hear it, hear it. Mm -hmm. But it like scientifically proven that it like pisses you off. Yeah, you know? infrasound. Yeah, it makes you like angry, sort of. They think that 
uh, natural effects like that happen around like mountains and valleys yeah. and stuff. And so it, it, cause it, it like makes you annoyed. And yeah. then, so he would play it and then he would walk out. You play it for like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever. And then he would walk out and as soon as they could see him, he would turn it off. So subconsciously they're thinking like he made them feel better by just seeing him. You know, and he was well spoken. He was fucking. Devious. He was what? That that's devious. Yeah, it's 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 smart though. If you want to be that person that takes over the whole fucking world, you know, he had big plans for everything. Like, uh, I read the book. You know, his book. It's fucking writes. He he writes like stereo instructions. It's hard to get through. Just by the way it's written. It's not very entertaining. But I like to know things. You know, and I like to see per- perspective. Gotta, gotta know thy enemy. Right. And I, I like to know perspectives of people like that. So I can try to understand why they were that way. Yeah. I think that's why, like, true crime shows are so <laughs> enthralling to people. Like, there's so many housewives sitting out there watching NCIS yeah. and, and murder shows and it's just this weird obsession with the macabre where like yeah. the human psyche the personality as we know it is just warped whether it's broken down or it's twisted to a nefarious end I think uh, it's twisted by media and movies and games you know I think if you like took a kid and raised them without any of that shit and they never knew it and you were never violent they would be like just happy-go-lucky and not understand anything if they've never even felt pain you know they wouldn't know what it is so when they first do it would be like terrible for them but I don't think that's how it should be because everyone should be feeling some pain to know what it feels like, you know? So I think in, in our social circles, we deal with people who fetishize adversity and violence and this, like, borderline, if not over-the-line, toxic masculinity in, in a lot of different aspects. You know, I heard uh, someone say the other day that we know that you can't have a bunch of weak men running around, you know, trying to lead people. Uh, it's just not going to work out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that showing empathy, showing understanding, ma- maturity, you know what I mean, is mm-hmm. a weak thing. I think that the easiest thing, running back to it, it's easy to get angry. It's easy to throw a punch. It's easy to say hurtful words. There's a part of you that's just like, that's the sweet release, some chemical release in the brain, whatever it is. The hard part is swallowing your pride, swallowing your ego, mm-hmm. taking the L on, you know, deferring to someone in order to communicate better to achieve a higher goal. And like, that's something that I feel that I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. Like, I can get shit on all day long, sun up to sun down. And that sucks. It's, it sucks, but I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with my ego where I know that. I'm I'm deferring to them because I'm confident enough that I'll be able to change their thoughts, change whatever behavior they're having uh, in order to reach a more net positive goal. So 
that's fine. I'll be the bigger man by being the lesser man. And it doesn't bother me. But it bothers a lot of people. I think you need both. Like, if you... I'm sure you're capable of violence. You know? I, I know you well enough to know that you're capable of not being able to maintain that anymore and, and getting mad. You know? It, it doesn't happen often, but it does. And you're human, like everyone else. I think you have to have a balance. That's what I try to do. Because I'm, you know, a violent person by nature. Just by the bring up, you know? Um, when you're taught that, that's how you are. So, <clears throat> I've had to do a lot of, uh, <clears throat> like, we talked about this before, you know, looking into things, like understanding why. Uh, soul searching, I guess you could call it. <clears throat> and uh, I think I've come out better. And I try real hard to not be violent because I'm very good at it, you know? And I also think that if you, like, tell my son this, he's in boxing, you know? And I'm like, dude, like, when you, like, know you know how to fight, you don't really want to fight anymore. You know, it's kind of like, like Bruce Lee, you know, he's one of the baddest men on the planet, you know, um, but he's very educated at the same time, and he doesn't go around starting fights. No, you, there's no videos of him, <clears throat> like in actual street fights or competitions. Like mm -hmm. He he perfected the the martial art mm -hmm. to uh, to a T, and at that point, you, like you have this nirvana, right? You right. you understand that, like. You know, violence is is a lesser thing, and that's why like the martial arts are are elevating, like um, you know, Shaolin monks and everything. That's the whole foundation for their religion right. and theology is that I've perfected myself, you know, physically, and that's a reflection of me spiritually. Uh, so like, it, yeah, yeah it's, Bruce Lee uh, literally said like, you know, be a warrior in a garden, not a gardener in a war. You know, and I think that's true. So when this person that we know was saying, like, you know, you had a bunch of weak men running the world, I don't think he meant, like, just to be a dick all the time, you know? Because I know him for a long time, and he is extremely empathetic, and he is extremely helpful in all these things. But it's not his natural state, you know? Like, he has to know you. He doesn't want to appear like he's these things, but he is. And I think that almost everyone is, deep down, you know? It's like bridging the gap of bringing them together in this, like, nirvana state we were just talking about, you know? Connecting the few. Right. That's what I think, anyway. You have to, you can't be too weak or too strong. Because if you're too strong, you're like a fucking dickhead warlord like Hitler, you know? And uh, you have all your people thinking that you're the master race and all this crap. That's bullshit, you know? But if you're too weak, then you just get ran over. So there has to be a balance. Like Bruce Lee, like be like water, mm -hmm. you know? You put water in the cup, it becomes the cup. Put water in a bowl, it becomes the bowl. Be like water, you know? Fluid 
in your transitions between communication um, and violence because eventually violence is something that's necessary. I mean, not all the time, but I don't think it's ever going to go away. I think it was Jordan Peterson that was uh, talking about it. And he's like, you know, be monster. You have to be able to be a monster. If you're not capable of violence, then you're just asking for violence onto you. Yeah. So you have to definitely know how to defend yourself, man or woman, child. All my family is extremely defendable, you know. In the the military, we call that presenting a hard or a soft target. target. You want to be a hard target. You want to... You want people to know just by your prowess, like, I ain't attacking that guy, you know, or that woman. Yeah. Walk you can posting, tell. Walk your post in a military manner, right? Keep alert, you know. Right. Have all of your tack gear on. Um, yeah, look like you know what you're doing, you know. Um, you know, like, for instance, my daughter, she's very beautiful. Very beautiful. And she's tall and uh, very capable. But when she's alone, just dudes follow her around. And, like, they don't even speak English sometimes. You know, she'll go to, like, the store and they follow her around and they're, like, trying to talk to her and they don't even know her language. And she's trying to tell them, like, no, no, I got a boyfriend or whatever the case. So they go on like Google Translate and try to be like, number, number. And she's like, no, no number. So it freaks her out because of like, you know, sex trafficking and shit. She's like prime target, age, look, everything. So, and she knows this. She's very aware of her surroundings extremely, you know, probably because of me. Yeah, probably. I was going to say probably because of you. um... But uh, it's good though. There's a lot of women that aren't. You know, and if they just walk around like, oh, blah, 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 look at this person, then they get to daughter's got a knife, daughter's got pepper spray, daughter's got a taser, all because of me. But, and she recognizes these threats, you know, there's some dude staring at me and in every, every hallway I go down, there he is. So she'll call me on the phone or my wife, like this dude's following me around. I'm like, okay, we got your shit. You got your taser. If he follows you out to the car, tase that motherfucker. Don't do it in the store. Like, hey, stop staring at me. But, you know, if he presents a threat, defend. Don't attack if defend. I think defense is, is extremely necessary, even on the country level. Like uh, Ukraine and Russia right now. Yeah, I mean, they didn't think it was going to happen. Even though it happened in 2014, they took Crimea. Yeah, it happened then, and nobody really was like, oh, well, you know, but it happened. And it's just one step closer. Like, I don't ever think anybody's smart enough or stupid enough to invade America. Um, But I think we should stay out of shit. You know, like the Vietnam War. Back to war, anyway. You know, we... Vietnam War was started on a bunch of bullshit. It was a lie. Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things is you said defense, and a lot of times people argue the best defense is a good offense. That's not true. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, violence, 
violence begets violence. And yeah. from a lot of the research that I've been doing uh, on my own, uh, I think that Putin is drawn towards like recovering those old bloc countries. Right? Yeah, he wants to restore the Soviet Union. Yeah, if, if not through his manifestos in spirit, at least in like landmass coverage, mm -hmm. getting a hold of those countries um, because of NATO's advances uh, east. Yeah, well, that's the same thing, though, right? We're closing in on him. What would we do if Russia was like in Cuba or like they were? Well, yeah, you know, and then that was the whole thing. Or, or what if they were in Mexico or Canada? We're going to be like, whoa, you're a little too close, homie. You got to back the fuck up. So I don't blame him. And we don't really know anything as civilians, you know, just like his people don't really know. He just knows it goes back to the point of like the people in power, propaganda. You don't know what the fuck's happening. They just what they tell you. Oh, yeah, it's it's wild. I was playing <clears throat> um, a video game like two months ago. Of course you were. And uh, <laughs> it, it was it was such a game where you could like jump in and jump out of lobbies pretty freely. And it's, it's like a cute little pixel game, you know, nothing like Call of Duty or whatever. Uh, but this guy jumps in, we start talking to him, and uh, he's Russian. Mm -hmm. and we're like, oh hey, like. Obviously, we gravitated towards like, oh, what are your thoughts towards the war? Like, what war? I was like, oh, you don't know that you're at war right you didn't now? No. It's like, for real? No, we know war. I'm like, are you troll? Like, I thought he was trolling me for right, the longest time. Right. I thought he was just joking. But he sincerely did not know. Like, the, the propaganda, the media. Oh, wait, I remember this. Um, there was a bunch of coverage. From the, you know, like, soldiers with yeah. their fucking phones videotaping shit and posting it, and, like, Putin took all their fucking phones away. Yeah, the, um, <clears throat> you had several newscasters that were fired, and God knows what happened to them afterwards. Yeah, they're probably black-bagged uh, in their yeah. room or dead. KGB style. Um, it's crazy that... Killer gangster bureau. <laughs> with the amount of information that we can gather and relay with technology... Like it's it's a full time job for governments to take that away from us yeah, in, in the it. same breath. Like Cuba, remember we had the whole Cuban Revolution thing, and mm -hmm. like everybody's like, "Yeah, we stand with Cuba," and then there was nothing. It's because they rolled in there, took all the fucking shit, and started shooting people in the street. You have to really deep dive to find this shit. It's crazy, man. Um, you know, in World War Two, there was propaganda everywhere. Like, they had, like, these. And it's the same. I remember, uh, I do a lot of, like, research on, like, World War Two because I don't understand how it ever happened. But it was, it, I don't think it would be able to happen now. I don't think. Because they didn't have any cameras, they didn't have any internet, they didn't have any. You know, so it was real easy to stop the press, basically. And so, like, the, I think it was the Iraqis or, like, Afghanistan or whoever, they had, like, the same propaganda poster. So, like, the original one was, like, a fucking octopus 
looking thing, squid type creature with a star of David on it, like clawing all over the world. So they're saying like Jews are bad, taking over the world. Yeah, that was um, like the foundation for the the Hydra organization in <laughs> yeah. Marvel. Yeah, and then in the Iraqi one, they had the same thing drawn a little bit different with the American flag on it. And, I mean, if you don't know any different, it's 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 very convincing. You're like, oh, fuck, you know? But we don't know anything, really, even now with all this technology. So we don't know that Putin's the bad guy. No, I'm sure that he is, but we don't know for sure that he's everything they say he is, because I don't trust our own government. Yeah, it's uh, a gray area in the, like, broadest sense of of the term and i think that once you have you know footage of of people being killed and the the layman right Mm -hmm. the common soldier and stuff like that like you said it's easy to throw a bullet down range but once you get up to confirm that kill like it's it's different for you yeah and i think that we are empathic enough as a worldwide community to where like nobody really wants to send soldiers to war anymore. Like we understand that there's better ways to do things, to coerce governments into uh, action or inaction. Like how? Well, Russia is facing a whole lot of economic sanctions, stuff like that, obviously. And that's had ripple effects throughout like the global community. Um, who sanctions who though? America? Yeah, NATO. You think we should be able to do that? Yeah, I think that that is a leverage that we should be able to impose versus just sending troops into a country. Um, With the sanctions, like, Russia's living under these sanctions for years, right? They just get used to it and are stronger than we are. Because we don't have any. The, I think the idea is that you impose these sanctions. You make the quality of life lower. The amount of taxes that and like income that the government can take from the people is lessened. So you reduce their ability to spend, to fight back, or make an offensive. And at some point, mm-hmm. there's that breaking point where you institute like a civil war. Right? Things are so bad in that country they are going to do the work for us, right? So we don't have troops in their nation. Their yeah. nation becomes our troops, and they I overthrow that, that government. I get that, but is it really going to happen? Like, they've been, a com- so. they've been a communist country for ever, you know, and communist countries just do whatever they want, take whatever they want. Right, yeah. so then they, they have a revolt. They change, revolution. They start When's the government. last time we had a revolution in the world besides, like, was that Syria recently? I think it was Syria. Yeah, Syria's there, probably the most There are recent. quotations storming the capital. You know? Sounds familiar, don't it? <laughs> yeah, well, we were able to liberate North Korea or South Korea from, you know, bigger Korea. And we well, split left North Korea's communists and see yeah, how we well like, they're doing. We, like, went in there and did it and then lost it because we didn't stick. Americans didn't stick. They right. had to, then they had to do it themselves. 
Same as Vietnam. You know, we went to Vietnam over a bunch of bullshit. The fear of the spread of communism. Which, a lot of things about that don't make sense to me now because they're like, oh, well, you know, Russia's like, you're helping Ukraine. Didn't you do the same thing to Vietnam? Think they just had Russian AKs for no reason? I don't think so. Anyway. We went into Vietnam. We were in there for 10 fucking years. My dad was in there. It was terrible. Yep, same for my dad. You know, and we lost. But we should have never been there in the first place because it was based on a lie, which I think is a horrible thing. And your war is complicated. But they didn't, like, Vietnam didn't want to not be communist, but now they aren't. Like, 100, you know, fucking 50 years later, they're like more capitalist country than, you know, it's just strange how things work. And you look at South Korea, like, they're doing incredibly well for themselves. They're in Yeah, because they're metrics. not communists. Right, yeah. In many metrics, they're... Uh, <laughs> one of the most successful countries within the last hundred years to stick around. They've got a lot of influence. Yeah. Um, I think we need to influence by being better, not getting involved in everything. We're not like the fucking police of the world. Not the world police, you know, fuck yeah, America, you know, we're not the world fucking police. I'm sorry. We shouldn't be, like the Ukraine thing, you know? I don't think we should be spending billions upon billions upon billions of dollars that we don't have to support a country that's not even in NATO. Now, I get get it. Like, they're fighting to keep them defending their country, which is great, but it's not ours. I'm sorry, it's not. You know? Um, Then you got, like, their their president Zelensky or whatever he's up in the capital draping his flag all over our shit which kind of pissed me off I'm like yeah, you know I want to stand with you and like be like fuck yeah defend yourself but you're in American capital dude I'm like don't put your flag on my on my desk that's my desk that ain't their desk that's Dave's desk that's your desk it's the people's desk I guess you could say that it would be easier for and so we explicitly, like, I know it's been alluded to, like, we are world police, but that's why we have NATO over there, right? A conglomerate <laughs> of countries that all have... Similar a, goal. Yeah, similar goal. They communicate. You got, like, the UN. They have, uh, you know, standards that they have to adhere to. They have bylaws and everything mm-hmm. else. When you have that juxtaposed with Russia, who does whatever the fuck they want, right, at the behest of a single man who doesn't bow or, you know, capitulate himself with any other country, that's the issue. So if you lose I mean, Ukraine, then you lose If you had a whole country. bunch of sanctions on you, would you want to bow? Well, he wasn't doing it beforehand when there were no sanctions. Yeah, but I mean, we went like at least four years with getting along for, for the most part. Yeah, where everyone was just setting up for the for you know, four years afterwards. someone to be out, I think. Yeah, there's, um... You know, like, kind of goes back to that weak versus strong. If you look weak, people are going to think you're weak and roll on you, you know? 
this yeah. war is necessary kind of situation. Like, you can't. Uh, what, what's the the military thing? Like, appear strong even though you're weak, or something. Well, so, so like you present a hard target versus <laughs> a soft target. Yeah, there's something like that. Like you appear strong even if you're not. So, you know, you look like, it's like the, the Great White Fleet. Yeah, you know, back in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, you look. Like, oh man, he's fucking with those guys, you know, but you really don't even know how to fight, maybe. That's but why North Korea has so many parades showing off missile showing launches off and missile tanks launches and shit. And they shit. try to appear strong. Yeah. And then uh, um, it, it drops in the ocean like 20 miles off the coast because <laughs> it ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah. It ain't got no gas in it. Um, but I mean, is it necessary? Uh,. That human condition is always going to be there as long as people are alive, right? So there's always going to be some guy or some country thinks they deserve more than the other country or don't want to be part of the world trade economic or whatever it's called. You know, I mean, Russia has fucking the biggest supply of like wheat in the world you know next to maybe turkey and uh we buy wheat from them you know so if we do too much even though we could probably grow all our own wheat here and be fine just kind of do everything here and be fine but that's not how the world works no that's another episode yeah so if they just decide, like Turkey recently decided, because there's all kinds of things happening, they're like, hey, we can't sell you this wheat. We need it for our people. If everyone did that, there's a lot of countries that can't even grow wheat. So then, you know, you can't have any wheat. Or, you know, there's a lot of places that grow soy and places that fish and places that do this or that or they have this that we don't have, so there's like a big trade. So, That's what I'm saying. Like those 30 NATO countries get along. Mm, when you well, have Russia sort of. on the opposite. Yeah, but you're, we're not going to see a war between France and Germany, I don't think. I mean, it never... It already happened. Not again. So <laughs> when you have all these organizations that are like, curb checking each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, bro, you, you don't really want to do this. Let's talk this out. When you're forced by everyone else around you to start doing the right thing the right thing in quotation marks you know what i mean that's that's better that's cooperation mm -hmm. you don't have that same sort of cooperation from russia or china they're just on their own path and it's it causes a lot of friction with everyone else like um the south china sea mm -hmm. i'm not sure if you're aware of this but you have this thing called the eez the economic exclusion zone yeah it runs 200 miles off the coast of um countries that border like the seas so the south china sea is named the south china sea because of a map from like the 30s or something like that and china has been going over there and i think it's like the spratly islands or something like that there's a lot of reef islands like barrier islands that they've just been pumping sand and concrete onto to make military bases in the middle of the international waters but China argues, oh, well, this map that someone drew in 1930 mm -hmm. says China Sea. It's China's sea. I'm like, listen, buddy, that's not how that works. You well, know? is it? 
no, correct. Like it's international waters. It's international law. Well, I mean, Norway just took that sea, but they were part of NATO, so it was allowed. So who decides? Do you have my point? Like, I'm kind of like, you know, I don't like to be pushed, and I don't think they do either, and I don't think we do either. But like, who says that they're right? Yeah, but they're they're the ones doing the pushing. <laughs> who? China. Because you have the Philippines, and you have, like, Laos and Cambodia and all these... Yeah, you know, you're talking about this sea. Yeah, no, these, these Indo-Asian countries... But what about the Norway Sea that they just decided was theirs and pumped all the oil out of? You know? They're uh, just like, okay, we're going to take this sea now, and, and all the oil in it's ours. And that's how, like, Norway got to be so fucking rich. I'd, I'd have to look into that because I'm not... But, I mean, uh, they were part of NATO, so... Nobody was like, hey, you can't just take this piece of water, you know, because they were part of NATO. So just because China's not part of NATO, they can just take this sea too, right? But because you're not part of NATO, now you, hey, you can't do that. No, they're, they're taking, they're, they're pushing like fishing vessels primarily. Right. Out. out of international waters, which they have no right to do. No. And they're saying, well, these international waters are actually Chinese waters, and it's the vast majority. So they're not, as of now, they're not going within the EEZs of other countries, yeah. at least not often. But they're using military vessels to chase off fishing vessels from the interior of that sea. And is this like military is bases. this like that strait, like between like Taiwan and? Is that what you're talking about? Kind of, yeah. So when you have like China up here, you have you know Vietnam and Cambodia and everything else yep. coming out here. That whole area, that's the South China Sea. Oh. You know, I'm visualizing with my hands what this is. But long story short, they're making military installations in international waters and then claiming that's that's like, verified Chinese land, which it's one not technically yeah one it's not and two like they're taking coral reefs like natural structures that we already have a huge deficit of especially yeah. in the pacific ocean yeah, yeah and they're just blasting it with sand and concrete until it's an airstrip i mean they're dickheads man you know i'm not denying the fact that they're dickheads but it shouldn't be right for one and not the other that's my point right but i'm sure that they're in your talk about the nordic sea working with nato I'm sure that was discussed. There were concessions. They might. Have I think to. they just did it, and uh, they're just like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna take this," and then nobody was. Everybody's kind of like, "Okay," because they knew they were gonna make so much fucking money off of it. But whatever, that doesn't really have anything to do with but, war. But the point is that they probably did that under their communication, right, with NATO, getting permission, so to speak. Supposedly, China. And Russia do things without permission for their own agenda, don't communicate, and then try to bare their teeth when we're like, hey, that's wrong. I mean, do we not do that in America? Right? I think Americans, like, do too much, you know? Well, it's easy when we have a lot of allies, we can insert ourselves across the world. Yeah, but, like, is that right? I mean, are these people really our allies, or are they just kind of like, I don't want to fuck with them? I mean, back to Hitler, you know, like he was doing what they're doing, spreading 
and taking over the whole fucking world, which is wrong. But are we not? I think that at the very beginning of the conversation of this episode, I said, like, you have a disagreement between two people, but as soon as there's a third person, there's room for profiting. Yeah, that's the much the, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, are we not doing the same yeah, by we, NATO, you know? Are we not spreading, like, even Germany's in NATO now, which is kind of interesting to me, but in Poland, and you're encroaching on their area, right? So Ukraine's the last country in between. I think that's part of the problem with this current war. Right. Do you agree or disagree? No, I agree. Yeah, it's it's almost like a... uh like the principle of the matter. Once this one falls, like it's the last. Yeah, you're right one. there, yeah. and you're right on my doorstep. Which, I mean, we wouldn't stand for that at all. I guarantee it. It's already happened. You know, Cuba. They're like, fucking Cuban Missile Crisis. We're freaking out over here. They're trying to kill fucking Castro and giving the rebels fucking guns and shit. Like they were scared as fuck. You know. Um. I mean, but we can't spread all over the world either, unchecked. And this is a check, I think, from like a, a, you know, area. Let's say we try to play by the rules, though, as instituted by like NATO and the Geneva Accords and everything else. Try to, you know, sometimes get caught CIA operations where we definitely were not. Where we kill our own president. Yeah, everyone's got those. <laughs> everyone's got those, uh, you know, bones in your closet and oh, yeah. shit under the rug. But at at this point, we've reached like the the nuclear dilemma, right? Mad, mutually assured destruction. Yeah, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, so we say, I think it's around fifteen hundred missiles. You know, you get up like fifteen hundred warheads, like fifteen fifty, uh, is allotted to. The U.S. and Russia. I think they have way more than that. For sure. And um, within that, the uh, the accords don't specify like what payload those missiles can be. Right. It'd be like 850,000 megatons or some shit. Right. So we could go from like a 100 kiloton to like a 100 megaton um and as long as we only have that one missile. That one missile that can destroy the whole fucking world with one shot. Yeah, like yeah bomb, at least you only got one, though. <laughs> so stupid. Um, well, I think that I've, I've done a lot of... I like listen to prepping shit all the time. A Canadian prepper, and he has, like, guests on his show and stuff, and... uh he had one guy, uh, Dr. Fry or something, and he's like a nuclear physicist and shit for the CIA or something. Mm-hmm. And he literally was like talking about, you know, because there's that whole facade that, oh, well, you know, nobody really even knows how much stuff we got. Well, he does. And he says we haven't updated our shit since like the 70s. So we got a bunch of old ass shit that hasn't been tested in 20 years. You know, they don't. They got brand new ass shit and like tactical nukes even that um, are, are low yield radiation. 
So literally, like, they could, like, bomb McDill and blow up just McDill and not have a lot of fallout after. We call them tactical nukes, I guess. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I pulled up an infographic here by Hans M. Christensen and Matt Corda, circa 2022, uh, by the Federation of American Scientists. They estimate around 5,428 nukes for the U.S., 5,977 nukes for Russia, and the next biggest country is China with 350, France with 290, UK with 225. So by leaps and bounds, by several factors, we have more nukes than everyone. Do they work, though? That's the point. They haven't even been tested in 20 fucking years. Do they even work? Probably yeah. not, but once you have your enriched uranium, <laughs> you can just recycle that to another warhead. You know what I mean? So they might be disarming 40-year-old nukes and taking that physical material and putting it into... Yeah, I mean, I understand that, but they haven't done that, right? And I know right now that we're getting all this funding for this. So this is a real thing. It's really happening. You know, like Biden fucking released funds for fucking upgrading our nuclear shit because they haven't done it in so long. So they're, like, trying to fast-track this shit now. So, you know, take it out of this one, put it in that one, whatever it is, but they're fast-tracking the shit out of it now. So, and, like, Russia never stopped. So, are we going to be able to catch? Probably not. You know, and even Russia, like, they're taking something like 30% of their GOP putting it into like nuclear weapons so the threat of nuclear is is very real right now probably more so even than like russian or the cuban missile crisis yeah i would agree um it it's horrifying it's kind of scary but it's, it's really scary because there's there's a lot of studies about no, it's not even studies. It's just like simple math. You mm-hmm. look at our operational capabilities, and I used to think that we were pretty safe from nukes because of our like intercepting ballistic missiles. Like, oh yeah, they'll shoot a nuke over, and then we'll intercept it. Looking into it, I encourage anyone who's listening to do so. Uh, there's there's a lot more to that problem than just they shot one thing and we shot something else at it because you have decoy warheads you have um, warheads that split into 30 or 40 different payloads and maybe only two or three of those are operational but you have to have a computer you have to have a missile system that can intercept 40 of those and that's just per one missile that becomes 40 they've got almost 6,000 missiles yeah well not to mention they got things that go what do they call them? Interballistic or uh, intercontinental? ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missiles. Yeah, and they're like supersonic. So they're fast as shit. And they got like this fuel tank or whatever that they can fly like the opposite direction, right? And still hit it. So it's not like, you know, it's going over the whatever that ocean is, the Atlantic or whatever. The Arctic Ocean. The Arctic. You know, it's not just going over that. It can go backwards and go all the way around the world and come from the other side and hit it. It literally can go around the world like twice on this one tank of gas and still hit its target. And it's supersonic. Fast as shit. 
So the stuff we got can't even catch it. You know, these Satan missiles or whatever they're called. Yeah. They're ridiculous. The, the math doesn't break down well in our favor. Or, or anyone's favor. Not saying like just exclusively no, us. Depending no, on you budget. talked about like mutually... Mutually assured destruction. Math. Yeah. That's like what's been keeping it at bay. But I'm pretty sure that Putin thinks he can survive. And it is survivable if you have the right ship. So they have like these bunkers from the Cold War and they're like converting uh, subway systems, old subway systems into like civilian bunkers. It reminds me of that game Metro in that book. Metro 2033, it's amazing. Good game. Uh, That's literally, they had nuclear war and between America and Russia. And like in the game, you're a Russian that lives in the fucking metro system and then like the whole world's fucking eradicated you know and uh ear got fucking ear what is it called radiation yeah radiation everywhere um but it's survivable whatever the fuck you call it you can survive it and they think they can and they're not scared so once a motherfucker ain't scared no more that's scary you know kind of goes back to that once you know how to fight you don't want to yeah but when you pushed into it you do a lot of damage because you're not scared anymore not scared of getting hurt not scared of hurting other people you know my dad always told me like you can't be scared to get hurt and you can't be scared to hurt someone if you are you're not going to be able to defend yourself yeah. You know, it's heavy. I think everyone should be scared. I think they should. Yeah, it's it's a very real fear, and uh, that's what kept us warm during the Cold War, was just shivering from, mm. like, fear, hiding under desks and having missile yeah. drills. And that was a lot of, like, uh, we didn't know. You know, we didn't have GPS, we didn't have satellite surveillance technology. That was a crazy time. Like, you look at pictures, there's, like, people wearing suits and hats with fucking gas masks on. And uh, there's, like, gas helmets for babies and shit. That's to the point now that, like, intelligence is so good. We'll look at, um, like, North Korea, and we'll see. And we can pinpoint what a facility looks like that manufactures certain types of rockets and parts for rockets. And then, so as soon as they have a truck load up with something... We got him on the line. We're like, hey, bud. Yeah. No. Put it back. Right. Put that truck in reverse. Dump that <laughs> shit off. No, I mean, something like that, though, like uh, North Korea, it's so, like, heavy, dense jungles and shit. They could have something you can't see from satellite. They're not building manufacturing facilities in there. How do you know? That's North my Korea point. Is not, North Korea is not very jungly. Actually, it's too north of the latitude. It's more Siberian than anything. Well, there's somewhere that has a fucking jungle that builds shit, you know, Vietnam, something. Even though I probably not Vietnam because they're more capitalized now, but and there's so many places in Russia even that so windy and snowy and you can't even see shit. Well, that's that's why like North Korea can't grow food to save their lives, literally, because it's too hard for it's like Siberian tundra for over half the country. 
um, a lot of rocky soil. But they still are a communist country that doesn't want to trade with anyone. Yeah, it's it's wild. <clears throat> that That is, the uh, the Un family is like the most deluded <laughs> that... Yeah, they're crazy that people. It's to the point of like beyond parody. Yeah, like Team America. You're useless, Albert Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> anyway, um, the point is you don't really know what anyone is doing at any given time. Even our own government. You know? Especially not your own government. <laughs> Especially not your own government. And uh, That's why that Russia didn't know he was at war. Right. Exactly. Um... He's over here fucking playing video games, chilling in his house. Probably doesn't even have any fucking oil. <laughs> but that's the other end of it is I know from watching the stuff that I watched that like Russia, North Korea, they're like buying up gold and food. China, they're buying up like rice and food and like the staple beans and shit they're buying it like crazy and stockpiling the shit out of it but we're not you know and our supply chain's so fucking weak ignorance is bliss <laughs> I mean I guess but fuck I mean knowing definitely is like oh fuck but at the same time gotta kinda get ready for some shit you know so, uh, like when the birds fly out of the uh, the jungle and the T Rex is coming, like, oh, that, shit. Yeah, something's there's, happening. There's a warning. Something's yeah. happening. Yeah. There's movement. There's something's going on. You know, a glass of water starts shaking. Yeah. So then, if <clears throat> we saw, you know, came out on um, <laughs> CNN a report that U.S. has bought you know billions of tons of rice and beans, and they're starting to, which makes it real now. You know, like if we double our investment on making weapons and you know double our fucking buying wheat and rice and beans and all this type of stuff that makes it real yeah but at the end it doesn't really matter if everything's irradiated just saying we already spend I think more money on our defense budget than the next 23 countries or 26 countries combined yeah but not on nuclear stuff, though. No, we're, we're starting to now, but that's kind of the reason why in Russia's offensive in Ukraine, they had dry-rotted tires, and convoys <laughs> are breaking down, and the apex predator of the Russian army was Ukrainian tractors. <laughs> that was awesome. But, I mean, how do you know that's not just a... Th you know, they barely even sent anybody. They got so much shit. You know, they so many people. In their military. Yeah, and it's so corrupt that none of that money managed to make it down to that. So, like, we haven't fucked with our nuclear arsenal and kept it updated, probably, because we're just hoping for that day not to happen, and we had enough limit to just keep making newer, better stuff. <clears throat> but probably in the optimistic vein of, we hope we never use this. Well, yeah, fuck yeah, I hope we never use it, too, because that sucks, but... So I'd be a proponent for global disarmament for nuclear weapons. Well, that didn't they already try that? Well, like I said, 
Russia has their own agenda. China has their own agenda. They're not playing by the same rules. They're not in the same, you know. So then you have conflict. So is conflict necessary? Yes. Conflict is necessary at this point in time. Has it ever not been necessary? Probably not. I don't think you can look at history for a perfect example. I think you have to look towards the future. The, the fabled utopia. That's not possible. Why not? Because people can are, are things and they exist. You don't think that we can evolve beyond our base instincts? Um, I don't think it's base instincts. I think it's corruption and and bullshit. Somebody, Putin, Biden, Kim Jong-un, whoever the fuck it is, they always want more than what they are given or able to make or able to create. And some other guy always says that they're wrong. So there's conflict right there. So you said if we had a child raised in a nice situation, right? Provided for, wasn't taught violence, wasn't shown violence, didn't feel pain. Do you think that child, if they saw their neighbor, you know, had no food, had no wheat, that they would go give them some of their wheat? Probably. Right. You don't think that we can achieve that at some point where we get to the point where instead of me being wheatless, fighting my neighbor for his wheat, wheatless. my neighbor is just <laughs> affable to giving me some of his wheat? Well, what most likely would happen is the child that was raised in all the nice stuff and had all the wheat. The one that wasn't bred in violence, pain, suffering, didn't have any wheat, would be like, that motherfucker over there's got some wheat. And he's weak as fuck. So I'm going to go punch him in the nose and take his wheat. And then once he punches him in the nose, he's never felt pain before. So he's like, oh, fuck, my fucking face hurts. And he just falls down. Doesn't have any will to drive to get up because he's never experienced pain. Dude takes his wheat. He's laying over there bleeding. That's the most. Even if he gives it to him, he's going to want more. Right? Hey, man, you got way more wheat. Like, say you had 100 pounds of wheat and you give that kid or whoever 10 pounds of wheat. You still got 100 pounds over there or you still got, you know. 95 pounds, 90 pounds of of wheat. I need some more wheat. Now, should he have to give him half of his wheat? Just because? No, he shouldn't. You know, should he be able to steal it? No, he shouldn't. That's why that's not a real thing, because that kid's has never experienced pain. You get hit one time, you're down for the count. Now, if you've been beaten and bruised and battered along the way, and you're used to it and you know how to defend against it the same kid that comes over there went through the same shit tries to steal your wheat you're like dude you ain't taking my wheat you punch him in the face and now he looks at you like you know fucked up dude i'm gonna beat your fucking ass now and you ain't getting no wheat then he gets his ass whooped and ain't get no wheat so i think what we take away from this is that we all <laughs> as as humanity as um countries, states, precincts, districts, down to the personal level. 
we've all suffered, right? We know what it is to get punched in the face. We know what it is to starve, by, by and large. Right? Some of us are entitled, but that's a pretty minuscule portion of our population. Like the one percent. Yeah. Most of us know what it is to be cold and to starve and to fear and yeah. to suffer. And to want to hold on to the things that you worked for and belong to you. Yeah, but I feel that at the lowest end, right, some of the least entitled and just by virtue of whatever karma or whatever, the people who have the least give the most. This is true. Very true. The people that have the most hoard the most. Yeah. The people that have the most are usually the ones that want more. So I know we get critiqued a lot as a country, you know, the United States, for having humanitarian aid. But at the end of the day, like, we're able to, right? A lot of us would sign off on that, whether it's, you know, giving extra cans to the soup kitchen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's on a much higher level. I think that we'd be able to afford to give a lot more. We'd be able to afford to take care of ourselves. You know, no starving children in our streets. No homeless vets. You know, better yeah, healthcare system, better be transportation, great. no potholes. If we took, fucking potholes. If we yeah. took that, what, $17 trillion for the military spending and just put it back to our country's development and maybe developing ourselves to the point where we don't feel the need for hoarding. We don't feel the need for 6,000 nukes. Mm. We don't feel the need to interject ourselves into other countries and fight shadow wars and proxy wars against our other governments right because we've shown like you said lead by example that we've got our shit on lock right our country is organized profitable healthy fed but we come with that history of we've got the biggest stick you know, we're not afraid to use it mm -hmm. world war champion 2-0 yeah with that i mean yeah that sounds cool but if we started worrying about ourselves, then, I mean, we're not the world police, but, like, we kind of are, you know? So if, there, if Russia, China, whoever's already doing these things, and there's no one to stop them, then they just keep going. Yeah, we've got obligations for sure. That's the allies that we're talking about. You know, the 30 NATO countries. Like, we're... We've got our hand in that cookie jar, right? Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that our friends don't get steamrolled. Like you yeah, jumped yeah. up the other day because you thought someone was about to beat my ass in the yard, right? Yeah, yeah. You were my ally coming to my aid because someone was not even really happy. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, you said take the what was it, seventeen trillion dollars? Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe we leave that in place and just not spend. Ten billion dollars on Ukraine and do the same thing. Dropping the hat, I can tell you personally from looking over the finances uh, and during my time in the U.S. Navy, like we have training exercises. Training's great; have a well-trained force. But when the function of my particular command hasn't been in use since the seventies, since the Vietnam War, we are still training, spending millions and millions of dollars for my command alone 
Um, Who's that shit you were talking about with the boats, the ducks? Yeah, duck boats. Uh, basically, I was part of an amphibious task force. We call it Brown Water Navy. Mm. All right, and where you're sea to shore, and uh, yeah, D Day was great. It was necessary then. Vietnam, run up and down the rivers, was necessary then. I don't think that I'm going to be necessary in Russia or Ukraine. You know what I mean? There's there's so much. Depends money. on if it's summertime or not. <laughs> It'd be a little bit chilly. We we'll develop like a skiing command and alpine commandos team. Um, I probably have those, don't they? Yeah, we do. That's like uh, what was that uh, Jackie Chan movie? Never they have to the take first that strike. bomb, first strike or something. Yeah. They take that bomb across the thing. Yeah. Um, but the fact that you buy a ballpoint pen with your company and it costs four dollars for a box of twelve. Me as a military, I buy the same ballpoint pen. It costs twelve dollars a box. The inflation because of like corporate lobbying and like special contracts is astronomical and then we turn around and waste so much of it so all these different training missions that we were doing really wasn't ever going to be utilized the only time that i utilized my training and the method that it was meant to be used for with some modifications was for uh disaster relief in new york mm -hmm. that was it i did i was there training. Yeah, 20 years landed ago. on the beach, you know, <laughs> secured a perimeter, and then started delivering, you know, food and supplies and stuff like that to the local uh, area. D-Day stand for Dave's Day. Hmm. Um, um, there were no mines on the beach, though, fortunately. Yeah. Uh, well, just cut that inflation and use that money then, yeah? Well. I mean, I understand, like, the whole military complex thing is, is giant and we overspend, but... Somebody, theoretically, an accountant, could go in there and be like, well, you know, all this shit costs this much and you don't even use half of it. Probably. I mean, some of it's probably in the water somewhere, you know. Most likely. I'm pretty sure you told me some story one time about some shit getting pushed off the ship and then they were like, hey, we need that stuff back and it was yeah. in the water. So. Free commandeer. Yeah, yeah. So they have to like dive down there and try to get it, or so just be like, I don't know what happened to it. But I mean, some accountant somewhere could go and be like, there was a movie called Dave, right? I think uh, where he looked like the president. The president had a heart attack, and he was an accountant. You remember that movie? Yeah. He was an accountant. He brought in his accountant buddy, and they like, because you know Congress wasn't gonna cut taxes or something and he's like there's got to be a way because he's a normal ass dude like us that's mm -hmm. like no this you can't do this to people so he brought in his buddy who's an accountant and they like worked all night on the fucking budget of the whole united states and he found the funding by cutting out shit from here and inflation over here and just all these things he like streamlined everything and then we had all this fucking money for all this funding we could do that they just don't want to right because everyone's bought and paid for self-serving venture um, yeah so here's a thought what if we do away with nukes what if we bring that uh budget down to like 500 billion uh we put the f-35s in storage for a while all right we pull back troops 
and we just start developing computer viruses like Stuxnet. Um, therein, though, if you don't have nukes and they do, and they know you don't, you make an announcement. We're no longer having nukes. No, they're the only ones with them now, right? It's kind of like that kid that wants to weep. Now you don't have anything to show that you're strong enough to defend. Mutually assured destruction. Worst case scenario, we keep 100 nukes on hand, just in case, you know, but... Is that enough against 5,000? We have 10 nukes that could destroy the entire planet. Well, they got 5,000 that can destroy the whole planet. Right, planet's destroyed 50 times over. Basically, yeah, that's what keeps it from happening. By 500 times over. (laughs) Um, Well, the funny thing is that Stuxnet computer virus developed um, back in like 2005, found in 2010, started to infect uh, Iranian nuclear facilities. And basically, it was causing centrifuges to speed up and slow down and cause artificial stress. They blew up like a thousand different centrifuges. They couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. Um, because someone had done like really, really high level espionage and got certain specific security tickets stolen from companies that Windows uh, trusted. So your computer's like, oh, hey, this is that company. Yeah, let their program do whatever it needs to do. Really hard to do. They had to get a physical copy of this stuff. It wasn't just uh, a two-minute montage of someone clicking on a computer. But with that being said, there's this open-source virus that's likely infected 90% of computer systems across the world. Mm. Everyone's got their own thing. After this, Iran started up their own cyber warfare. um, That's just real as fuck, too. Yeah. So, we don't even need nukes. Nukes means that nothing's usable afterwards. We're going back to hiding in bunkers and caves in Metro 2033 for 50 years at minimum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Worst case scenario, 300 years. And by that time, I don't have faith that we're going to come out as the same humanity. Maybe some fucking badger, mole people, Morlocks. And hmm. you have Is that, that much like adversity? one of them fucking crab things from Fallout? Morlock? Uh, I don't know. Morlock is a term based off of like A.G. Wells' time machine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Troglodyte looking motherfucker. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That was a good movie, too. And book. Yeah, good book. Horrifying. Good book. So, viruses. Alright, not coronavirus, but like... Computer virus. Computer viruses could shut down our entire grid. All of our financing. Detonate some of those nukes, perhaps, in the silos. Yeah, it's all possible. Cyber warfare. The natural evolution. I don't think we need the Great White Fleet. We don't need thousands of nuclear missiles. We don't need a standing army of, you know, one million soldiers. I think that going back to putting stress internally on a culture or you know com- uh, country is going to cause them to have their own civil war and revolt and change of government organization. I think all of that's capable with computer viruses. Yeah, You've got fifty really really smart kids working yeah. in a basement somewhere that could cripple the entire globe. Yeah, there's like whole groups. hacker units in like Russia and I mean even as far as like last year they were like shutting off food 
places, food production places, and uh, they shut off the grid somewhere. Yeah, so, you know, it's just dangerous. I mean, that sucks, but if we don't have any nukes, and they do, what's to stop them from using it? The computer virus? Could be. In a lot of situations, yeah. If we're able to target a nuclear facility in Iran, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's going to take some legwork, but the the uh, likelihood that we could get a virus over there, maybe if we can't disable the nuke immediately, we just shut down the silo doors. That shit just don't open when it launches. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, still is the question, though. Is, is war necessary? Is conflict necessary? I think the the concept of a a soldier, a warrior, ground battle, you know, boots on ground, people fighting people in the street, I think that's over with. I think we're advancing beyond that. I think that at some small level, we'll still need special forces in order to black bag those high-value political targets, right? Mm. To actually get Putin or get Osama, we're still going to need that capability. But to pressure a country to change, I think the primary weapon evolving beyond nukes, because I don't think anyone really wants that at the end of the day, uh, that's whoever presses that button, like, it's going to be a mistake. They're going to know that as they're pressing it. Um... But so it's kind of like, uh, like the welfare of warfare. Elaborate. Well, like uh, like welfare in America. You know, you don't really live well. The fare is not that well. You know, you're basically surviving at this point. So if your sanction or your virus diminishes the welfare... Is that like welfare of warfare? Yeah, that that's in a sense. Yeah, basically that would be it. You you pressure their quality of life so bad that they make the change. Um, but that sucks. No, it does suck. But at least at that point, it's. I mean, it does it does it make them change, or does it just change it to where you're like, the Americans did this, and then they're like, fuck the Americans. It should be not the Americans, it's our government forced their hand. Our government couldn't protect us. Our government got us into this mess. We as the people are going to remedy the situation because we the people are suffering. Putin's not suffering then. No, you know none I mean? of them are. His generals aren't suffering. Those 1% that control no, none that of them, none, of them, none of them are. So when you have the layman who has his family watching his kids starve and get sick and not have medicine, they take the fight to the capital. They knock down those doors, kick that motherfucker out of the chair. Mr. Gorbachev, knock down this wall. And I think that's why democracy is so appealing to people, because it embodies that that energy, right? Revolution. In the beginning, there was the cube. (laughs) No, I mean, I definitely get that. Like, even, uh, but then still, like, you have your revolution, right? Everything's supposed to be better than you have Cuba. Right, Castro was a revolutionary. We thought he was great, and then he turned out worse than the other guy. So how do you stop that? Well, hopefully, 
there's, they there's a lot of questions up. with this. Yeah, hopefully they open themselves up to those allies that help them at some point. So, no, my, st- my, my question still is like, did we help them? You know, because we put all these sanctions. Them or, as the people? No. Right. So what if they spin it to... The Americans put all these sanctions on us, and this is why it has to be this way. People don't look into anything like me and you. Most most everyday average people, they just see the headline. They don't click it. Like, literally, there was, like, a shooting at the mall. At, like, the outlet mall a few months ago. And uh, the the headline was, Mass Shooting at the Outlet Mall. So when you first read that, you're like, oh, fuck, it happened that close? You know? And then you click it, and it was one guy in the parking lot. Like a gang fight. Some They found out he was there, and they went and shot him in the parking lot. Him only. Yeah. It's not a mass shooting. No. So the headline is confusing, right? And most people generally in the world don't click it. So they just read it, and they're, so if it says, Americans put sanctions on, and that's why everything's so bad. They're like, oh, fuck those Americans. Yeah, read. Read shit. It's and very important read, for the whole world. Read opposing views. Like, yeah. That's the the spirit of this podcast is there's a lot of stuff we do agree on, but a whole lot more that we don't agree on. But we're trying to reach that middle ground, see things from both perspectives, and get a more cohesive idea of what our personal truth is. Yeah, like uh beginning we were talking about communication. I mean, communication is the key, right? Even in your job, your relationship, whatever. Communication is the key. And so if you don't communicate, it's not gonna happen, right? So I mean, you can have all the nukes or all the cyber viruses, but if you can't talk it about it. It's not going to happen, you know. Like, I mean, I know when I was young, I was quick to fight all the time. But I try real hard not to anymore because I don't want to, you know. Um, I think it's important to be able to defend. It's also more important to be able to communicate. You agree? Yeah. You can train your body for the worst case scenario. But if you train your mind well enough, you never have to reach that. I think so. And, uh... Everyone should strive for communication skills, like even basic ones, being able to not talk over each other, for instance, you know, you're you're in an argument in the street or whatever, and this has happened to me a lot, because I try to talk to people without getting angry, because I don't like it, you know, so I'll be like, listen, sir, you know, you're, you're taking this the wrong way. And then they try to talk over you. Like, you know, I mean, shut the fuck up, motherfucker. You know, I'm like, I'm just trying to explain the situation. Then you can only take so much of this yelling in your face, and then you get mad too. And then you have conflict. Yeah. Everyone wants to be heard. (laughs) Nobody wants to be ignored. And when you're ignored, you talk with your fists. Basically, you know. And I mean, that goes even for revolutions, governments, you know, uh, American Revolution. They didn't want to do things the king's way, and they tried to send uh, decrees or, you know... Sanctions, T-taxes. Sanctions, T-taxes, 
you know, the American colonies tried to send letters and, like, whatever they call them, decrees or whatever they're called, like, hey, we don't want to do this, we need to negotiate. Well, he didn't want to negotiate, he just, okay, we're taxing the shit out of your tea, we're taxing this, we're doing this, we're sending our military. Well, then you gotta defend. Then you have to have conflict. Because one side or the other side doesn't want to hear the communication. That's part of the breakdown, too. You can have the best, you have very good communication skills, right? Dave here has great, great communication skills. He talks on the phone all day, defuses problems. Yeah, I've had guys walk in motherfucking me, and then they walk out smiling saying, thank you, I'll get my account opened up. Yeah, it's happened, you know. Um, my communication skills have gotten a lot better over the years. But originally, I didn't want to communicate. I was that guy that didn't want to communicate. I just wanted to be left alone. And when you tried to push me, I pushed back. Now, I'm different. I try to hear the other side logically. Try to understand it, even though I keep my opinion, you know. That's why I read things. Like Reading really helps. So, everyone needs to read, even if it's fiction. You know, um... Reading definitely makes you speak better, definitely uh, helps you interpret things better. Uh, Communication is the most important, then defense, you know? So you should be a warrior in a garden. You should be able to articulate your position, speak well, but also if it comes down to defense, then you should be able to defend yourself. Most people think, for like Dave here, right? He talks how he talks. You hear him. Very articulated, very well-spoken, big words. Most layman people don't understand those. Like, I do, but most people don't. So they're like, you try to use these big-ass words on me, man. What that even means? And, and he's, like, giving them a compliment, but they don't even know what it means. So they're like, man, fuck you. And you're like, dude, that was a compliment. No, fuck you, man. And then they want us to get mad. So, you know, knowing what words mean and how to use them is important. Do you agree, Dave? Yeah. Consider who's saying them. Consider your sources. <laughs> but, um, yeah, at the end of the day, we should... We should be making our our best efforts to avoid that breakdown of communication, and uh, you know, we are all each other's brother. You know what I mean? Like we are one species, one humanity, trying to make our way. One and, race, the yeah. human race. There is yeah. no other race. There's the human race, right? So you bring all that crap into it and that's how you have conflict it breeds animosity it breeds conflict don't let artificial divisions separate you from that truth no no just get along man can't we all just get along you know what i'm saying like what was his name who's that guy uh rodney king rodney king rodney king was right man i mean like we just need to get along man smash mouth why can't we be friends that shit you know i mean but to answer the question is conflict necessary on the grand scale yes 
because of lack of communication. Communication is what's necessary, but we don't have any. So everyone in America and other countries should strive to be better at communicating. All right. So next week we talk about the end of communication, the end of all. The end of days, prepping 101. We'll see you then.